wreaking havoc. Wreaking havoc. News, interviews, and more. We just wreak of Huntsville Havoc Hockey. Welcome this week to a very special Wreaking Havoc podcast. We take a detour from the player-coach interviews to feature Amy and Chris George, the force behind the Melissa George Neonatal Memorial Fund. Havoc fans are familiar with the special game that benefits the effort every year. And Laura Pitts talks with Amy and Chris about how things got started. A couple of signings have also taken place over the last few days, and we'll get into those later on. Keep it here as the Wreaking Havoc podcast continues. Reekin' Havoc Podcast. Got something to say? Put it on a t-shirt, or hoodie, or apron, or even an iPhone case. Just go to DaddyO'sCustomTees.com and make it happen. Look through their selection of ready-made designs, or make one of your own. Check out their special hockey designs, too. With DaddyO's Custom Tees, you can truly have it your way. Look for DaddyO's Custom Tees on Facebook, follow them on Twitter or Instagram, or go online to DaddyO'sCustomTees.com. That's D-A-D-D-Y-O-S, custom, T-E-E-S, dot com. Daddy-O's Custom Tees, they've got your back, or front. Let's go in the slot. Welcome back, everyone, to another In the Slot segment this week. I'm really excited to take a step away from talking about hockey in general, staff, players, all of that, and to focus on what I would say are some of the more important things that the Huntsville Havoc franchise is known for. And one of those is giving back not only to the Huntsville community, but also to causes and organizations that are dear to their heart and really impact a lot of people. And today we are delighted to bring on Chris and Amy George with the Melissa George Neonatal Unit Fund to talk to us today about um, their calls. And for most of you who are out there listening, you will know them and know their story a little bit from the Melissa George Specialty Journey Jersey Nights that the Havoc has every year. So Chris and Amy, we're really excited to have you both come on and talk to us. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Laura. We're, uh, we're excited to, to get on here. Yeah, we are really excited to kind of get your story. And I know that every year there is really good television and news coverage about the Specialty Jersey Night and what that all means for everyone, not only with the Havoc and the fans, but for both of you as a family and the Huntsville Hospital System itself. But I really wanted to provide you guys an opportunity to really go in depth without a time limit, without anything like that, and really share your heart and your story here. Um, I have bios that both of you sent me, and I really loved reading them. But when I started reading them, I felt like there was so much of your story that has led you to creating this fun within them. And so I was just going to get you guys to share a little bit about, you know, who you are and what you do. So, Amy, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in the Huntsville Hospital System. All right. Well, so I work full time now for the Huntsville Hospital Foundation, and um, some people may not know this, but Huntsville Hospital is a not-for-profit hospital. And so since it's a public hospital, um, we do rely on philanthropy to help provide critical needs. So Huntsville Hospital Foundation is the 501c3 fundraising arm of the hospital. Um, Huntsville Hospital Foundation also happens to um, administer and execute Melissa's fund. And so it really is a full circle moment when I went back to work there after all my years in TV. Um, I love what I do. I love that every day I'm making an impact when it comes to healthcare. That's something because of what 
Chris and I have gone through um, with Melissa. That's something that's just so important to me. So that's what I do these days. I do that full time and I'm a mom and I'm a wife and a volunteer and just all those fun things. So you're a very busy lady is what you're saying. A little busy. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone else out there, right? <laughs> yes. That's wonderful. Wonderful. And Chris, tell us a little bit about what you do. So um, after I stopped uh, playing my last year, 2001-2002 season in Indianapolis, I was fortunate enough to uh, get hired on in the medical device world as a uh, orthopedic sales rep. So for the last 21 years, I've been uh, helping people with getting knee replacements and shoulder scopes and rotator cuff repairs and hip replacements and shoulder replacements. And so I represent a company called Zimmer Biomet and uh, we go into the ORs whenever our implants are used and, uh, you know, provide the instrumentation, the implants is for the surgeon to perform their surgery. So in a way, you know, I'm, I'm helping people get back to normal lives. And from that, it's it's pretty neat. No two days are the same. And, you know, believe it or not, I've got some former teammates that have uh, gone down the road of joint replacement. So it's kind of uh, surreal to be at that age now where it's a real thing for us. <laughs> And Chris, you're what I like to call a Havoc native, even though it wasn't the Havoc at the time, because you've been not only a resident now in the Huntsville City, but you're a former Channel Cats player. And so I have to admit that for myself, my love of hockey was not during the Channel Cats era. And so I was just curious if you could just really quickly tell us a little bit about what that was like being a Channel Cat and playing. You know, it was uh, it was a special time here in Huntsville. Um, I played uh, 96 through 2001 here in Huntsville. And, you know, we had a core group of six, seven players that were able to play together for, for almost five years. And in the minor leagues, that's pretty special. You don't get that um, very often for for a team to have that group of core players all around that long. Um, we won a Central Hockey League championship in 1998. Um, you know, it, it was it was fun. It, the the fans were great. Um, even back then, you know, 96, 95 was a year of the big Brack uh, move from St. Louis to Huntsville. So you had a a community coming from there was very familiar with hockey. Um, the Huntsville market itself, as you know, is a very transient area. So you get a lot of you know, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest that come in because of Redstone Arsenal that were very familiar with hockey. And, and minor league hockey, we played, it was about the double-A level, I would compare it to um, in a baseball uh, sense. And we were just a bunch of 20-something-year-olds that Went to the rink a couple hours a day and had all this free time and, you know, grew together as a bond and, and won a championship here. They had won one the previous year when I played in Daytona. And then I was fortunate enough to, to join them the following year. And that's a whole other story that we can get into at another time. But, you know, the, the, the city itself from supporting the team, I think the ownership itself, when Keith and Becky Jeffries took over the ownership back in uh, 05, well, they're going on 20 years, so 03. Um, that did wonders for the for the the game itself. You know, they local ownership. You know, there's nothing you know can be said about local ownership. And Keith and Becky, man, they they got it. They they know exactly you know what the fan wants. You know, you're you're battling for entertainment dollars, and you know there were some times with you know economy and whatnot where you're battling for those dollars, and and they've done it right. They they entertain with in between periods, in between face offs. You know, and they've put a product 
you know, that also reflects the product on the ice. You know, the the coaching staffs throughout the years have always had a competitive team. They've always been good. They've won multiple championships. So I think it goes hand in hand. When you've got good ownership that's involved in the community and then your coaching staff can then create a culture that supports that, it's a recipe for success. And the Havoc are second to none in the minor leagues. They're probably one of the more successful minor league teams across all levels, I would I would think, in, in professional hockey. Yeah, and I agree completely with you about your comments on the Jeffries because I can see and hear from every week, from interview to interview, just this cohesiveness and this culture of taking care of each other and setting things up for success and being a very valuable part of the community. And so that kind of is where I want to kind of move our conversation into is that aspect of value in the community, because the Havoc have for many, 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 many years now really supported the Melissa George Fund. And I wanted to um, see if I could get you guys to really share your heart open and, and raw with us about what led to this whole process. At some point, you and um, Amy meet, and then the Melissa George Fund um, is born under some, you know, not the best of circumstances at the time, but, you know, we can look at it now and say that even in all of that, what beauty has come from it and what it has been able to support and supply the community. So so share with us in the, a little bit about how this all came to be. So I'll start with just how Melissa's fund came to be, and then I'll let Chris explain how the Havoc joined in, because that really was because of Chris's relationship um, in the hockey community. But um, in June of 2005, our twin girls were delivered, Melissa and Ann Catherine, and they were born um, 26 weeks and so that's 14 weeks early. And um, that they were delivered at Huntsville Hospital for women and children. They were immediately taken to the neonatal ICU. They both weighed less than two pounds. Um, Ann Catherine was 115 and Melissa was 19. And um, they were very, very sick when they were admitted. And um, Melissa lived for a couple of hours, but she had complications. Her lungs just had not fully developed and all of the medical technology in the world just could not have saved her. And she passed away while she was in the NICU. And and Catherine went on to spend 68 days there. And at the time, I was the main anchor at WHNT, the CBS affiliate here in Huntsville, um, and then Chris had retired from hockey, was but was still very well known in the hockey community. And um, Chris realized earlier, um, it took me a while to come around to it, but Chris realized pretty early that, you know, God had given us a platform that we could use to try to help people. And um, the reason I always say I came around to it a little later was I, I just could not um, imagine allowing myself to go there. You know, we were grieving. We had been through what I just to this day believe is just the the worst thing that could happen to someone is losing a child. And I just couldn't imagine being so public with it. And um, Chris just kept saying to me, Amy, I really believe we're in a position where we can help a lot of people. And what's interesting now is, you know, time gives you a lot of perspective. And I look back now and I think those years that I was on TV in Huntsville, you know, I thought all my life, I knew I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be a television news reporter. And now I look back and I think that really was just God preparing us and giving me a platform so that when this happened to us, we would be in a position to help people. Because 
Um, we were so well known in the community that we, you know, so it's kind of interesting looking back at that. Sometimes I think, I don't know that I was really meant to be a news anchor forever. I just think God was giving us, had had given me those talents in that career. So one day we'd be able to use them in this way. But so Chris and I started the Melissa George Neonatal Memorial Fund at Huntsville Hospital Foundation. And it's under the foundation because, you know, Chris and I didn't know one thing about setting up a 501c3. And so we partnered with the hospital. And um, then once we created it, we're like, okay, well, now we've got to raise money. You know, um, Chris and Amy certainly didn't have enough to, to get the fund going. And so we knew we were going to need community involvement. So we had started an event on our own um, called Miracle Bash and Swim for Melissa. And that was our main fundraiser at the time. And then we got a phone call from the Huntsville Havoc. And I'll yeah. let you take it from there. Yeah, we uh, it was in the fall of, I guess, 2006. Just before Havoc, you know, the season was about to begin. And, you know, Kevin Walker was the the president at the time. And he called us and asked us if we wanted to come in and meet because they had an idea. They wanted to do a, a, a jersey auction night. So we met with them. And, you know, it, it turns out that that front office between Kevin Walker and Ashley Balch and then Keith and Becky had some type of experience, whether or not they had a child in the NICU or they had a grandchild in the NICU or they lost a child, there was a connection there. And they recognized what we had started a couple of years ago and they just felt they wanted to get involved. And for me, it was a, it was a no brainer. You know, I, the Huntsville community, the Huntsville hockey community has always been a very, you know, generous community and a very support the team and support the players and, you know, we felt that, you know, this was a no brainer for us to, to, you know, get something that, you know, I grew up doing that I made a living at, you know, involved. And although I never really played for Keith or played for, for the Havoc, except for that one shift, um, they recognized and took us in as, as if we were there, as if I had played for them. So from that standpoint, we went, we met and we, we came up with the idea and the jerseys and, you know, they gave us a date, and I think we were their first jersey auction, weren't we? we I think we were the first. Yeah, jersey I think auction. that was the first time. And I'll tell you this, Laura, and I can remember this so clearly that night when Chris and I were getting ready to leave to go to the rink. Um, you know, your first event, you're just always wondering, is anyone going to come, and is anyone going to give, and you just never know what to expect. And I remember we were getting ready, and and Chris said, you know what? If we could just raise $25,000 tonight, I'd be happy. Yeah, if we could just raise 25000 and I was like, oh, man, me too. If we yeah. could just get there. And then. Because we were thinking, okay, so they're going to auction off 25 jerseys, man. You know, some are going to go for a little more than 1000 Maybe some are going to yeah. go for a little less. But, you know, that would be just awesome if we could hit 25000 Like, yeah. what Like, what a great way to start off this this uh endeavor you know this yeah. annual night that we've partaken in and and then the end of the night we had raised sixty one thousand dollars off of that one jersey auction and I remember we just looked at each other and we were like oh my goodness did we do something here yeah. uh, it was just it was amazing I mean I that that first one every every one of the auctions is special to us but Man, that first one was just unbelievable. Yeah, the game went into overtime. Yeah, you know, we came, Huntsville came back and they won in overtime. You know, you know, Mayor Spencer was there and she bought a jersey. Yeah, and they started auctioning off just socks and ties and coaches were auctioning off their ties and jackets and <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was 
it was really, really, let's see, humbling, but it was such a proud moment for, for us as a family and that something so personal for us could mean so much more to other people and realize, man, these, these hockey fans, these Havoc fans, these Channel Cat fans, you know, they are, they get it, you know, they, they get what trying to help in the community is all about, you know, they, they, these are people who've, you know, donated over 18 years of doing this to people for a cause that they'll, they'll never meet these babies that they're helping. They'll never know these families and the impact that, that the Huntsville have a community has just given over this time. It, it's incredible. You know, that's an awesome story to hear because I did not know that, you know, you set your you set your goal at twenty five thousand <laughs> and it just kind of got blown out of the water in a good way. That's an awesome thing. And Amy, that's so I appreciate you being really real telling the story about how you weren't ready to go there. You weren't ready at that moment to to acknowledge what had happened and be like, this is what's going on. Let's let's pick up and move. No mother or any parent really in their grief wants to do that. Um, that makes me realize that the connection is that people who are still having to utilize a NICU, those families that are in there, you get where they're at. Um, how does that connection still kind of ring with you knowing that we're raising money? This is all to help support the needs of that unit, but those parents and families are still there. I know that's still got some heartstrings mm-hmm. that come along with it. Oh, for sure. You know, I remember when our girls were born, Chris and I had never heard of a neonatal intensive care unit. We had no idea what it was. And then once we had had our NICU experience, the amount of times we've walked into a grocery store or a restaurant or a football game or whatever and had people stop us to say, I just want to thank you for all you've done for Melissa's Find. My grandchild was in the NICU. My niece was in the NICU. Um, my best friend's child was in the NICU. It, it is amazing now um, hearing those stories over and over and over again. And it is a reminder to us of why this matters. You know, we started Melissa's Find because really we just wanted to help people. That's all we wanted to do. We just wanted to be able to help families in our area. And I don't know if you know this, but, you know, the the NICU at Huntsville Hospital for Women and Children is the only level three NICU in North Alabama. And so what that means is we don't just take care of babies in the Huntsville-Madison area. Any child, baby in North Alabama um, with significant issues is going to be transported to the NICU at Huntsville Hospital. So we're regional. And so the reach, you know, right now we're up to 1,100 babies a year um, that are treated in the NICU. And so Chris and I just know how great the need is. And, you know, even though it's been 18 years for us, we will, that experience has been imprinted on our hearts and our lives. I mean, we talk about this a lot with each other, but, you know, we feel like there's, there's two different lives we've lived. There's the life we lived up until June 1st of 2005. And then the life we lived after that experience of losing our daughter. And, um, and I've always just thought, Laura, you know, the one thing that Chris and I can do to honor her life is to live and to try to help other babies who, who are, who come into the world premature. You know, as I said before, medical technology was never going to be enough to help Melissa. She had issues. Um, 
that medical technology could not have helped, but medical technology did help save in Catherine's life. And Chris and I know how important that is. And so every single time we raise money at an event like the Havoc game, and we're able to provide that life-saving equipment, we know what it's like to be that parent on the receiving end of that. And um, I think that's why it means so much to us. Now, now thinking back to that first auction year, and you were only wanting, I'm still laughing, 25000 Isn't it funny in life how we set our, our goals so low on something and then mm-hmm. and then for whatever purpose, um, the universe says, hey, actually, here's <laughs> right? This is actually what we're going to have happen. Right. Did you think about like, what were you guys hoping that the, the 25000 was going to purchase? Like, what were you hoping you would be able to help with? I think that first year was a giraffe. Omnibed or giraffe isolate. Yes. Which at the time were the isolates were around 12,000, I think, and the giraffe omnibed was like 30,000. Yeah. What's interesting about this bed is when our girls were in the NICU, this bed didn't exist yet. And it was not long after we started Melissa's Fund that they called and asked us if we would come to the NICU. They were looking at this new special bed. Um, and they were wondering if Melissa's fund could look, could maybe provide it. And I couldn't leave work that day, but Chris went over to the hospital and looked at it. We joke about it now, but this was back when Grey's Anatomy was really, really popular. And Chris walked. Uh, yeah, we were at the demographic where we would watch Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> yeah. And I walk into the NICU and, and they're in the back room and, and Marcy, who was the coordinator of the unit at the time, but was also one of Anne Catherine's primary nurses. She uh, she looked at this. She had this bed out. And I looked at it, and she goes, "I said, I've seen this before. I saw this on Grey's Anatomy like the other <laughs> night." And all she said to me was, "This bed wouldn't have saved Melissa, but this bed would have helped and Catherine so much more." And I said, "You need it." She goes, "We need it." I said, "All right, that's done, and that's what we're doing." And I think that's where Amy and I don't dictate what. The unit gets. We we don't. You know those. That's the doctors and the nurses. They're the professionals. They know what they need. You know. Every year, um, we'll go to them. We'll say, "All right, what's the biggest need? What do you guys need?" And they give us a list. And if we can buy everything on that list, we're going to do it. And you know that because we don't need to make that decision. We're not. We're not neonatologists, and we're not neonatal nurses. You know, they know what's best for those babies and we want to do what's best for them so that they make the call on what they need. And I will tell you this, we bought one that year and um, we're a 55 bed unit. And at this point, um, Melissa's fund has now provided every bed that's in that unit. So that's really significant to us now that um, something that they didn't have when we started Melissa's fund. And, you know, we haven't really talked yet about how expensive medical equipment is, but it is incredibly expensive. And I think that first year that bed was around $35,000 for one bed, one bed. And I think at this point it's more than 40000 Um, And so that's why, you know, our fundraising is so significant because it – it, it costs a lot to buy medical equipment and then medical equipment, you know, changes and either becomes obsolete or something better comes around. And we always want to have the best equipment there. And so 
that's that's why we work so hard to raise so much money. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in the fact that you mentioned the cost of the medical equipment and brought up the fact that things go obsolete. I deal with technology a lot in my profession and I'm always I'm on top of the technology and then a few years later all of what I have is, you know, is outdated and I either need to upgrade it or buy something brand new. And mm-hmm. so I can only imagine from a medical standpoint the the amount of money that is being per- you're using and you're purchasing and then having the realization that, hey, you know what, in 10 years, we're going to have to redo this. We're going to have to stay mm-hmm. on top and keep going because everything is going to change and the cost of everything keeps going up, too. Yeah. So that, that leads me to ask you, and you can touch on the cost of stuff or anything else, but what is something about the NICU unit or any type of NICU unit in general that you don't think a lot of people realize or really understand? So Melissa's fund has, um, we have financed or partly financed a milk lab where we are, Huntsville Hospital for Women and Children is the only non-teaching institute that has a milk lab in the state of Alabama. So what that does is that allows a neonatologist then to take mom's milk see what the baby needs from an additional nutrition, fortify that to the exact specifics that that particular baby needs. And they do that for every baby. And then the milk lab then creates the additional nutrients, adds them to the, the mom's milk. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that that's a pretty cool thing that, you know, and when you go up to the, we go up to the unit, sometimes we see the giant fridge that's got every baby's bottle labeled and what the additives were to it. You know, it's, that's a pretty cool thing. I got something that's pretty unique. Mm -hmm. And then for those moms who can't, you know, produce breast milk, they can then take some, a donor breast milk and adjust it for their, their baby's needs. It's really cool. Like that's, that's one of the rare things that uh, people really, I don't think know about. I was going to say, I've never heard of that. So this is a new one for me as well. Yeah, it's pretty spectacular. And, you know, I would add to that too, just, Part of what Melissa's fund tries to do also is in the family support realm. You know, Chris and I and Catherine was in that NICU for 68 days. Some babies are are there for one or two. Some are there for 68. Some are there for 120. And I'm going to tell you, it is a tough journey. A lot of that time is spent not knowing what the outcome is going to be. And even if you know what the outcome is going to be, um, for your child right now in the NICU, you have no idea what the outcome is going to be one or two years down the road. And so there's a lot of anxiety. Um, there's a lot of questioning. Um, and then you are tired. You're exhausted. Um, a lot of mothers, you know, have just given birth. So you're going through postpartum. And, and so because of that, I don't think people realize the strain that it is on the families who are there. And so, you know, like one of the things we do at the Habit Game, for instance, is yes, we we raise money to buy life-saving equipment, but we always ask families to bring an item to the NICU, I mean, to the Habit Game for the NICU. And that can be anything from snacks to um, baby clothes to restaurant and um, gas gift cards, because again, we are a regional NICU. So we've got families that are driving in 
from all across North Alabama every single day to see their baby. You know, Chris and I used to say as hard as those 68 days were for us, we lived 10 minutes from Huntsville Hospital and we could go as many times as we wanted to, but that's not the case for every family. And so through that game, we also try to provide those items to help those families, because I think unless you have had a child in the NICU, I just don't think you can understand how hard it is. Number one, you've given birth to a baby who is sick. Number two, that baby just got handed off to complete strangers. Um, In our case, we couldn't hold in Catherine for the first 10 days of her life. So we would walk in to this medical facility. We would look at our child laying in this bed, hooked up to tubes and monitors. And that's all we could do was look at her. Um, That is so hard for a parent. And so when we can come alongside and not only provide equipment that hopefully will allow these babies to get better and grow and thrive, but to also provide these other items that are going to help families while they're there, I think that's really important to to me and Chris. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. You know, we uh you know, like Amy said, we were, you know, 10 minutes down the road. So, and then we didn't have another child at home either. So, for even for those families who have other children, Mm -hmm. you know, the strain and the stress that goes along with that and just any type of little, you know, something to give to them or something tangible that they can see that, Hey, they're also being taken care of too. Um, And that's one thing those nurses up there do. They are, they become part of your family, you know, and Catherine's primary nurses, you know, we're still in touch with them today Mm -hmm. and they have seen her grow and they've watched her grow and they'll come to the habit game and they'll, we get pictures annually. Um, and then you see the the other nurses and those child those children that come to them. It's they become entwined in your family. We'll be back with more of the Recon Havoc podcast. This is a true sad story for ADT, the leader in home security systems. My favorite dog, Oliver, was stolen from our garage recently. If I had a camera system installed in my home from ADT, I would have known exactly what car possibly pulled up in my driveway and stole my little friend. If I had a security system from ADT, my dog would still be here. I called ADT this weekend, and they're coming out in a few days to install a camera and a new security system. Unfortunately, it's a little too late for me. Listen, protect everyone you love in your family. Call ADT now. Have them come out and give you a quote to install a full security system in your home. Don't let it be too late for you. Call right now. Paid for by the Home Security Hotline. 800-200-6543-800-200-6543-800-200-6543. That's 800-200-6543. Hey, this is Pete Sikalis, and you're listening to the Reek and Havoc podcast. You know, the whole time I'm, I'm listening to you both share about this, the one word that keeps coming to me is the word of strength. And so I, I ask, you know, how have the two of you, after all of these years, been able to be so strong for all of these other families, knowing what they're going through and knowing what you have gone through? Because like you said, that pain never heals. You carry that forever, no matter what happens. But both of you have such strength in this and being able to make this your cause. What has kind of kept you um, rooted in this foundation, rooted in understanding the importance of it? Well, it is kind of you to say that. I I don't know how strong we really are, but um, I will say this. 
Um, I know where our strength comes from and it does not come from Chris and Amy. And I, and I can say that because when Chris kept coming to me in the beginning going, Amy, I just really think we can, we can do something to help families. And I kept saying, no, I finally, you know, I always laughed that Chris kind of just wore me down, (laughs) but I remember so vividly that I, I prayed and I just said, God, if this is your will and what you have planned for our family, then you are going to have to take over and do this because I cannot. And so, you know, to sit here and think any strength that we have, I can 100% say is from God because I don't think Chris and Amy, I think of how grief stricken we were in those early years. I don't think we could ever have done any of this on our own. Um, Do you? No. And you know, that that night is, is a huge almost like a support system for us as well, you know, to, and to know that, you know, Melissa's name is, is her name is living on. We, her legacy continues. And I think that was very important to Amy and I is why, you know, the fund is named after her because, you know, Amy went into complications at at 19 weeks and for seven weeks, you know, Melissa fought so that Aunt Catherine had a chance to live. And uh, I think that, we wouldn't be doing her name any justice if we didn't carry on. As Amy said earlier, there's two ways you can go and, you know, live or not live. And for us, it wasn't a question of not living because we know we wanted to honor her and honor her legacy. And, you know, the community Huntsville, Huntsville Havoc, the community in Huntsville itself, they've rallied around that. And it's, it's been a wonderful support system for us. And I think for a lot of families too, when they see total strangers that are are giving, that are showing up to this game, it's pretty much a sellout every year this game happens because there's people who may only go to one or two hockey games a year. And if they're a NICU family, that's the game they're coming to because that night means a lot to them because of what Melissa's fun means to them and what that unit means to them. Um, there's not a, a game that goes by that we do not see babies that families bring up to us that want to have their picture made because you know, they were in the unit and they were there two years ago or they were there a year ago or some are fresh out of it. And they just want to be a part of that night. And it's their way of, I think, not so much thanking us, but I think it's in honoring Melissa. I want to also ask, how have you both pulled um, Melissa's sister into this and helped her also? Because and at one day, long in the future, as this keeps going on, she will be the one, you know, to really become involved. And I believe you have another daughter, is another child as well. Is that right? Did everything yeah. Right? Yes. You have two. We so have, you've brought both of your um, children into this also. Well, yes, we have two girls. Um, and Catherine is Melissa's twin. And then 17 months later, we had another daughter, Lily Baker. Um you know, Melissa's fund has always just been a family affair. I mean, our, our our girls have always known it existed. They've always known what it meant. Um, they've come to every fundraiser, every Havoc game, every swim for Melissa. Um, and so I think it's just, you know, it, it's part of our life. It's not, Melissa's, it's, it's not this thing we do on the side, if that makes sense. It's not like Chris and I have our day jobs and then, oh, by the way, over here, we've got this little thing called Melissa's Fund. Melissa's yeah. Fund is so just intertwined in the fabric of our family that um, it's just always something we've yeah. done together. You know, and for us, Amy and I, we, we made a decision, you know, after the girls were born that 
you know, Melissa would be spoken about in our in our house and having the fund has made that easier. But at the same time, the girls want to be a part of it, too. Mm-hmm. You know that, you know, sometimes you can we can feel that, you know, maybe we force this on them. And, you know, do they you know, do they have any animosity towards it? Because they are driven, they are brought into the spotlight some nights, you know, they've, you know, had stories done where they're being interviewed about it and, you know, having to be in the the limelight for this, you know, our oldest daughter and Catherine, she does not like the limelight, you know, for her, you know, it's turned the last few years now, they come to the game and they volunteer up front and they take in those items that parents bring or fans bring and they're working it and they want to be a part of it. Um, I think, they're just as proud of what Melissa's fund has accomplished as Amy and I are. Um, they just, you know, a they really didn't have a choice, but they've also <laughs> they've also embraced it. Yeah, and you know, but we've also respected yes. the fact that they did not choose to start this fund, and so Chris and I've never forced anything on them. If Anne Catherine doesn't want to be interviewed, we say Anne Catherine doesn't want to be interviewed, and we've always right. respected that. Um, but, you know, it's just it's just part of who we are at this point. I mean, Melissa's Fund is just part of our family. That's just beautiful. That's just a beautiful way of ex- expressing that. I appreciate you being honest with us about that because I, I know there's a lot of undertaking. And I think that sometimes people just in general, we have these perceptions that, you, you know, we work our day jobs and we do this on the side and then we do this. But it, really, when you become into a cause that matters and means and kind of oozes from every part of who you are, it does just what you said. It becomes a fabric of every your your coming, your going, your waking, your every moment. And um, I can definitely see that in the way that you were talking about um, this particular organization. So I'm curious also as as the event leads in and we we you know we're getting ready to have it a lot of times and I know not as much now because of covid but hockey players have been able to go and visit the NICU they've been able to bring some of them over to see what they're playing for so what does that to have like how does that um impact this whole night in general because now you're able to bring the people that we're coming to see the hockey players into the um, where the boots are on the ground and see exactly what what the knot is all about. So it's one of my favorite things. I, I mean, I absolutely love when we bring these Havoc players to the game. I mean, to the NICU. First of all, maybe I'm a little biased about hockey players because I'm married one, but <laughs> I just think they are terrific young men. And I think they um, want to learn more about Melissa's Fund and they want to understand the why behind that night. Um, these are young guys, you know, these are guys that haven't had a lot of life experiences yet. You know, a lot of them aren't even married yet. They haven't had children. So they can't really understand what it means to have a, a child who's sick or to lose a child. And so when we take them into the NICU and they see it with their own eyes, it's like this light bulb goes off and you can see it. I mean, you 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 are watching it happen. They ask questions to the nurses. They're engaged. Um, and then a few years ago, Becky Jeffries added this thing where she started getting them together to make blankets for the NICU. So the guys all get together and make blankets, uh, these, you know, big hockey players making blankets for babies. And then they bring them to the NICU and they'll hand them to families up there. And it's just so special to us watching those guys, because it's so important to Chris and I that they understand 
what that night means, you know, that name that's on their jersey that night, Melissa, what what's behind that name? Um, why are we doing this? And then Chris always goes into the locker room. Well, he goes that yeah. morning for practice yeah. and speaks to the guys too. Um, and when the girls were little, he would take them into the locker room before the game. But now, now that they're older, we don't do that yeah. anymore. But um, Although they like to still go. But I, <laughs> but I do think that those guys get it. I just think they get it. And I think they understand, you know, we've had nights where the Havoc have not lost many Melissa George nights, but the ones they had, we've had guys come up after the game with tears in their eyes saying, we're so sorry. And we're like, no, don't be. They want to win that night so badly, so badly for Melissa's fund. And I just think that's so special. Yeah. And you've had, you know, players in the past, like uh, Max Milosic, he was actually a preemie himself. Mm -hmm. You know, so for him to go into a unit, you know, and see kind of where he started out his life as. Not you know, our Not an Arnick, you yeah. but as a premature baby, you know, and for him to now be a professional goaltender and getting to play on a night where, you know, they're raising funds for premature babies, you know, like uh, talk about a full circle on that one. And then you've had other players, you know, Bill McCreary, who played here, now coaches over in Danbury, Connecticut. While they were in Danbury, they had a, a little girl. She ended up in the NICU in Connecticut. And he messaged me, you know, through through Facebook, just, you know, how that night from going to that unit and everything prepared him for what they were going through with their own daughter. And so for these guys who are, you know, 23, 24, 25 years old to uh, to go to a unit and see, you know, one and a half pound, two pound babies. Um, yeah. And it's gone without injury. You know, we've had some injuries, too. We've had a player pass out in the unit. You know, we've got NICU nurses saying, listen, I don't work on babies. You got to wake no, up. I don't, work on, I don't work on adults. I only work on babies. Oh, my goodness. What made him pass out? Just, just looking at a, a, you know, a two-pound baby. I don't think he was prepared yeah. for wow. it. Um, and, yes, so Chris and I felt a little guilty when he went on the IR that yeah. night. And and we apologized profusely. But I think that's been our only injury. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it it – I just think it is so important for them to to get into that unit and understand it. So when we were able to get them back in after COVID, um, well, we even did a, we did a Zoom one year because of COVID, and mm-hmm. we did a a Zoom where we had the um, Nicole Davidson, the unit manager. She walked with her, her laptop through the unit so these guys could see we were in the locker room. You know, so I'll go down the day before the morning of skate, and you know they've been to the tour probably the week before. You know, and that's the why, you know, why we do it because of that unit, you know, and I give them the how and I tell them, you know, our story, you know, from beginning to end and and everything that's happened in between. So they have, you know, not only the the how, how this all got started, the why it got started and what the night means, Um so for them, they're, they're, they're getting, you know, they get something that they don't get. I don't think on any other Jersey nights they do, you know, the, the NICU tour, getting to see that, getting to see, you know, exactly what that night is meant for. You know, that's pretty special because not everybody gets to go in that unit. And since the creation of um, the fund, you know, the hockey, the Jersey nights specifically, the Melissa George knot itself has raised so far $852,000. That's a very that's a very long way from the little twenty five thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it though? Oh, uh, if you had told Chris and Amy 
on that yeah. night in 2007, we'd get to 852,000. I don't, I don't know that we ever would have believed it. And we'll get to a million with this game. Oh. We will. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be an, an amazing celebration. We found out just this morning um, that Melissa's fund is now at $5.3 million raised in 18 years. And Chris and I both talking about that today. We were just, we're just completely overwhelmed by it because that $5 million mark has been on our radar for so long and to now surpass it. Um, again, in those early days, just wondering if anyone was going to give. Well, if we start this, is anybody going to make a donation? And then now 18 years later, sitting on this side of it. Um, and looking back, it's just phenomenal. And so 18 years, that means in two years, we're going to have a 20 year celebration. That yes, we're gonna we sure are. Um, <laughs> we're I have to really pull out all the stops for That's that. That's right. We yeah. sure will. That It'll be special for sure. You know, and, yeah. and you know, over these 18 years, you know, we've had a lot of people who said, you know, I'm, I'm coming to the game, but I don't think I can afford, you know, one of the jerseys. So what we've done over the, the last few years is we've created other ways for them to be a part of the night. And that's whether it's specialty pucks or stick auctions and, and adding mystery pucks where they are a game puck where the, actually the logo for the night is on the puck. So they're getting a commemorative puck and the players are signing them. And, you know, that way. So, so people who do come who can't afford you know, $1,000, $2,000, $500 for a jersey can go away with something knowing that they've also donated to the cause, that they've made an impact as well. Yeah, you know, and I think that was important to Amy and I that, you know, we just didn't leave it as a jersey auction, that we wanted to give people who don't necessarily can afford a jersey the opportunity to, to make an impact as well. And on that note, can you kind of put into perspective for listeners who may say, I cannot believe that's how much money a jersey goes for. Is this kind of how jersey auctions go in general in hockey? Is this is just Melissa's just a little different? Um, mm-hmm. I can remember many times we would stay afterwards as a family and watch. We were early in the hockey world, new fans. We wanted to see them. And it would it floored us how not that we were like couldn't believe it but we really couldn't almost how much money some of these jerseys would go for um and they would sell like you said i remember a coach would come out and you'd have his suit you know and and his hat that he had and then there's socks and you know the whole you get the whole thing whether you can wear it or not it's yours you know right okay so i'll say this i went into this just completely oblivious. You know, I didn't grow up, you know, I mean, I didn't know anything about hockey until I met Chris. And so I think that's why that night we thought 25,000 would be a win. My brain could not compute that people would pay that much for jerseys, especially smelly game worn jerseys. You know, I I laugh some years when there's a fight, there's even blood on them. Um, And, and so it, it did Laura blow my mind that, You know, I have people a lot of times say, Amy, I just don't think I can afford a jersey. I'm like, oh, I don't think I can either. (laughs) Like, I understand. But it's it's wild. But, Chris, we've seen other auctions, with uh, not with the Havoc, but other hockey teams that don't come close to what we raised. Even NHL teams. Yes. We were in Toronto last November and went to a a Leaf game because I'm I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, you know, growing up in that area. And – the the shop had an Austin Matthews autographed jersey from like his 60th goal season. And it was only for sale for $1,500. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, 
my jersey went for more <laughs> more than that last year. And I hadn't played in 20 something years. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, the, I think this this night is truly an anomaly when it comes to jersey auctions. And I think a lot of it has to do with the cause, mm-hmm. the intention, and the the stewards of the money. Amy and I, the, the people who buy or buy those jerseys that night know where that money's going. They know it's going. They know all of the in good intentions that it's for. You know, one thing with, with Melissa's fund is because we are managed by Huntsville Hospital Foundation, we have no overhead. The staff salaries are paid by Huntsville Hospital. So when a person buys a $2,000 jersey, there's $2,000 that are going directly into Melissa's fund. You know, we're not, we're not taking, we're not skimming off the top 20% for overhead. And I will say to Chris's point, because this is very important to us, we are incredibly transparent about the money we raise because we do know that people are giving generously and we want to be good stewards of that money. And so when we say, you know, the money we raise at the Huntsville Habit game is going to provide three beds and two ventilators, then by golly, you better believe when that game's over, we're going to provide three beds and two ventilators. Um, And then we often do either something on social media or some kind of message to the fans to let them know we did purchase that equipment because it's very, very important to us. We know that people's dollars are stretched thin, especially these days. And we do not take it lightly when people choose to give those dollars to Melissa's fund. And I do believe that people know that we are good stewards of their money. So we know that we can be involved by coming to the game and, you know, getting one of the jerseys or getting a signed puck or bringing items for the donation, all of that. But what about someone who is not into hockey, but has a heart for the little babies? And they may hear this and they may say, I don't know if I can make it to a hockey game. I don't know if that's my cup of tea, but I want to be involved and I want to help somehow. What do you, how do those individuals get in contact and are able to, to do something? Sure. Well, I would just say, first of all, from a financial standpoint, no donation is too big or small. Um, and we never look at it that way. And so if you can't you know, afford to purchase a jersey, but you want to make a donation, you can always do that. Um, we're online at HuntsvilleHospitalFoundation.org. And then um, you would just click on the Melissa George Neonatal Memorial Fund and you can give that way. Um and you can volunteer. You know, we um, you know, we are a little different because at the end of the day, we're an intensive care unit. You know, people don't just walk in intensive care units and volunteer, but you can volunteer at the Havoc game, you know, before the game when people are dropping off items. Um, and then our NICU does have something called a Cuddlers program um, where people are now they go through extensive volunteer training, um, but they are able to volunteer in our NICU. And if you're interested in that, you can go to huntsvillehospital.org and, um, click on the volunteer tab to fill out an application for that. But, um, you know, Chris and I don't ever want anyone to think that, you know, if, if you can't afford to give big, you know, that you can't give because that is not true. Um, we are grateful for any, any type of support um, because we know that once we pull those dollars together, we can do big things. Yeah. And I think during the game, there's a a text to give as well. Yes. That's um, fans can just, you know, text a a donation to, to the fund right then and there. And, you know, like I said, Amy said, you know, there's no donation is too small. 
you know, every, every dollar counts and every dollar could be the difference. Just that one extra dollar could be the difference between, you know, getting that $40,000 bed or not, you know? And so there's no donation that's too small and, and every dollar is just as important as the next one. And, and if you're giving, then we understand you're, you're giving because you care. And that's, what's important is that we've learned over the years that people give because they care. And, and Huntsville has turned into a, the Havoc community is a very caring, very giving and a very caring community. Well, before long, we're going to be right back out on the ice and the hockey season's going to have started again for the season. So what items or things um, do you know of anything off the top of your head that like for this year's auction, when it happens, that you're going to be raising money for for that NICU? Any material or any beds or anything specific? Not yet. What we always do, in fact, we meet with the Havoc next month. We've already got a meeting on the books, but we... Um, like Chris said, you know, Chris and I never decide what we're going to provide. So I'll meet with our unit director and say, tell me what you guys need. And, and that, and we come up with a list that way. Um, but I will say to anybody that comes to the game, we, we will always take those items for our families, um, at the beginning of the game. So even though we don't know the items we're going to provide yet, if you're coming to the game, either bring us some gift cards to restaurants and, Um, gas stations or items for babies to, you know, like blankets, socks, onesies, things like that, individually wrapped snacks, all those kinds of things we will take back into the NICU. We're going to show up. We're going to bring, we're going to love, we're going to show our love by providing these things. And that's what it's all about is, is I always think about seeds that we sow in our lives that we never see. And in this case, the seeds we sow when we bring these items or sowing into something that we may never meet that family. We may never see that whatever wonderful thing that child grows up to do, but we were a small part of helping them on that journey. And I think that that is so wonderful to think of. So um, 20 years go by in a couple of years, and then you'll be getting ready for the next 20 years of the fun. So what is, what do you guys have as your future goal and what do you hope to see Years from now, when this has been like, you know, 30, 40 years of this, what are you hoping to see? Well, if, if that's the case, then that's that's a long life of minor league hockey team for, <laughs> for Huntsville Havoc Night and Melissa George Night, I tell you that. <laughs> Getting to 20 years as a minor league team is an accomplishment in itself, and I think the Havoc are hitting number 20 this year. So kudos to Keith and Becky for for going through, for for creating a product and a team that has withstood really the test of time for a minor league sport. Mm-hmm. Um, as for Amy and I, that we're just trying to get a dollar more than we did the year before. <laughs> <laughs> I think too, we just we just hope we're still helping people in some way. Um, like I said before, you know, that it was just the whole reason why we started Melissa's Fund in the first place was never about Chris and Amy. Um, and it was always, always about helping other people. And so I think as long as if the fund is still around in 20 years and we're still doing good and helping people, um, I really think that's all we can yeah. ask for. Yeah. yeah. Well, Chris and Amy, I appreciate both of you coming on today, sharing your heart in a real um, way with the listeners and myself. I learned a lot about the foundation that I didn't know. I remember my first Real havoc season. Um, I would watch hockey on and off, but when my husband and I started dating, I took him to a hockey game. It's like our first official date, and he 
had no clue about hockey, but he fell in love with it. And well, here we are. We're a full-fledged hockey family now. And I I, it. it was, yeah. And I remember, this is a funny story. I remember sitting there on that date and I thought he was miserable. I was like, this is not going well. <laughs> he does not look interested in this. This is not his cup of tea. And then when we got in the car, he was like, that was wonderful. I mean, (laughs) after that, it was hockey full force. And so I remember the first Melissa George night. And I remember they handed us out shirts at the beginning. And we had all this. And I don't know if we stayed for the auction or not. But I remember thinking to myself, huh, I did not realize that hockey teams. And I didn't realize that this was an aspect. I didn't realize that a sport would take a night to celebrate and honor and raise funds for something. And then, you know, there were other things they did throughout the throughout the season for different groups too. And it just really made me have a newfound respect for just hockey in general, not only with Havoc, but just in general for the sport, because it was kind of like they do that in other places too. So um, it's been a lot of fun for me to see these auction events over my enjoyment as a Havoc fan, because like you said, we get more money every year, we raise more money. And it's just like, there's this intensity of we're playing for something more than just winning the game. There's, there's a lot more that we're at stake for. So um, I really appreciate both of you coming and sharing. And Chris, I really hope to have you back on sometime to tell me all of the channel cats stories and share your heart oh <laughs> what it was like being a player. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. I'm glad this is a podcast. So it's not on public radio. <laughs> but no, it I, I I'd love to. You know, those were those were some great times and there are a lot of great friendships were made and a lot of a lot of funny wild stories that happened during that time that yeah, can only happen in the minor leagues. Well, and it's funny because, you know, again, I've only ever known the Havoc era as a fan. And I will run into people who will say, oh, yeah, I watched I watched them and follow them when they were the Channel Cats. And so I'm looking forward to sitting down and chatting with you and any other people that you can find that would be willing to talk with us about that whole, um, about that life, about that world. Um, Again, appreciate both of you for coming on and chatting. It has meant the world. And listeners, we hope that you've also enjoyed today's chat with Amy and Chris George with the Melissa George Foundation. Be sure to look out for this particular Jersey auction night this coming up Havoc season. Come out, celebrate, watch hockey, and celebrate with us while supporting a good cause for the NICU unit at the Huntsville Hospital. Until next time, hockey fans, stay sharp in the slot and keep reeking of Huntsville Havoc hockey. If you love the Huntsville Havoc, leave us a voicemail with your name, how long you've been a fan, and even some of your favorite players. Call 256-434-RKKN. That's 256-434-7556. The Reek and Havoc Podcast. Every 40 seconds, a child goes missing somewhere in the U.S. You can help in the effort to find missing kids simply by donating your car or boat to Find the Children, a nonprofit organization dedicated to returning missing children to their families. Find the Children works closely with national and community agencies and organizations and helps distribute flyers and posters that are directly responsible for recovering missing kids. Your car or boat donation helps protect and recover children in every state and community by 
sponsoring child safety and recovery programs. For fast, free pickup, call anytime, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Running or not, your car, truck, van, RV, or boat will be towed away free of charge. Fast, free pickup, plus it's tax deductible. Everyone wins when you donate your car or boat to find the children. Call right now. 800-466-8813. 800-466-8813. That's 800-466-8813. Hey, this is Rob Darrow, and you're listening to the Wreaking Havoc Podcast. Defenseman Colin Fitzgerald was one of two signings that were announced by the Havoc in the last few days. Fitzgerald is from Burr Ridge, Illinois, and spent three years at Indiana University before turning pro with the Binghamton Black Bears in the FPHL, where he appeared in 87 games and earned 43 points during the 2022-23 season. He also signed with Birmingham and played one game there last year. Forward Jack Jonich was also signed for the upcoming year. Jonich is from White Bear Lake, Minnesota, and played junior hockey as a teammate with Dominic Procopio with the Shreveport Mudbugs. From there, he went to Aurora University and played in 93 games and scored 96 points. He appeared in three games during last season with the Savannah Ghost Pirates of the ECHL and finished up with the Peoria Rivermen. Single-game tickets are now on sale. Group discounts are also available along with family four-packs for specific games. You can also purchase premium seating, including ice suites and luxury suites, and the new party deck. Season tickets are also still on sale. Go to HuntsvilleHavoc.com and check under the Tickets tab. You can enter to win an opening night VIP experience, four gold tickets to opening night on October 27th, one team signed jersey, and a chance to sit on the bench during warm-ups. Deadline to register is October 6th. Go to HuntsvilleHavoc.com to the Fan Zone Join tab. the Huntsville Havoc Booster Club and help support the team and staff and promote the sport of hockey in Huntsville. Go online to HavocBoosters.org for more information. The Reek and Havoc Podcast. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-586-9885. 800-586-9885. 800-586-9885. That's 800-586-9885. Tickets, official Huntsville Havoc merchandise, and more, go to HuntsvilleHavoc.com. Visit our website at ReekinHavoc.com, look for us on Facebook, Instagram, X, and Threads, and listen, follow, and subscribe to the Reekin Havoc podcast on your favorite platform to keep up with the only weekly podcast covering the Huntsville Havoc, the Reekin Havoc podcast.